Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Good morning, afternoon, evening, probably middle of the night for some of you. Welcome so much to my podcast where I have the extreme pleasure of interviewing everyday innovators from across the globe who are doing really cool, really innovative things in their world. They're thinking a little bit differently. They're bucking the status quo. They are finding different ways around that brick wall instead of going over it. Maybe they're going under it, around it, through it. Today is no exception, and I know you're going to learn a lot from this everyday innovator, so let's get to it. Julie, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you are in. Hello, Tara. How are things going? I'm so glad to be here. I'm Julie Holmes, and I am I'm an everyday innovator. I just really <laughs> wanted to say that title. To run it sounds it. good. It sounds good. It does. It does. I'm, I'm yeah. a badge and all kinds of cool <laughs> stuff. Uh, I am a multipreneur. Uh, so I have a number of businesses. I create a number of products. Um, so that's actually where I spend the bulk of my time is in creating products and bringing ideas to life and to market. And um, most of those are what I would classify as micro products. So my goal is not to be somebody who builds a big, huge, massive business. I, I've done corporate. I did it for you know a couple of decades. It's more than enough for me. So I'm out of the cubicle and I really love kind of being a solopreneur and a, you know, kind of leading small team and making magic happen. That's what I do. I love it. Let me back up. I got a couple questions for you um, because I know, because we were talking a little bit offline about how excited you get about products. Like everything to you is like, this could be a product. That could be a product. I love that about (laughs) you. What is it about that process from like, Oh, to product that you love so much. I, I think that hearing your journey from like A to Z would actually help kind of the rest of us go, oh, I see some opportunities to innovate around me that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. So my so when it comes to products, almost every single one of my products is stemmed from frustration. So I am, I always like to say that I'm an easily frustrated optimist. So like everything irritates me. And then I'm always like, I could fix that. I, I, I bet I could fix that. And my fixes are usually like, they're usually just one step up from some duct tape and like a gum wrapper and like, you know, a couple of twist ties. And, you know, like I'll definitely say like, if you've got a bunch of leftover business cards, they're like my favorite prototyping material. So I love to make solutions almost invariably. I'm building stuff for myself first and foremost. And then what I I kind of have the three time rule, as soon as somebody asks me for something three times, oh my gosh, that's really cool what you made. Like, oh gosh, could I, could I get that? Could I make that? Could I do that? After the third time I go, oh, I bet I could sell that. Bet I could productize that and sell it. So will you give us an example of one? I don't know if you want to talk about, hey, Mike, because that happens to be the one that I know, but will you talk about one and kind of where it came from and Yeah. Yes. Yes, I will. So, hey, Mike, the one you mentioned um, is, is probably, you know, I mean, that is so hey mike is a wireless bluetooth microphone uh, it's a wireless bluetooth microphone that's specifically designed to give you great audio on your smartphone videos up to 80 feet away hey mike available on amazon now okay you know like you just got to do it you know if you create it you got to do it um so hey mike was actually an interesting story because what i needed was i needed a way so this was back when i was in corporate actually 
And I was um, a director of marketing and strategy. And I was speaking at events all the time um, for my company. And I was presenting and I, as a marketing person, I was like, we need to be reusing this content. We cannot, you know, every single one of these talks should be spliced up, reused because I hate waste, hate waste. And so I couldn't, um, I was in these big trade halls and exhibit places and it wasn't like I could string a microphone 50 feet. And so I started trying to figure out a solution. And, and this was, of course, about six or seven years ago. Bluetooth was not as big of a, was not as big of a, a solution back then, particularly for microphones. It was, you know, AirPods didn't even exist. And, you know, back then when we first started this project, I was like, I just need a microphone. So I sat down and started like, I started ordering stuff and trying stuff and cobbling stuff together and, and kind of mixing and matching things. And I ended up like, you know, getting one thing and basically kind of connecting it to another one. And then I literally super glued some magnet to the back of it so that I could put it magnet it to my shirt. And I had to like hack an app in order to record it and it was all this stuff anyway. And I did it. And I used that microphone for two years. I used that hacked up prototyped microphone for two years. Wow. And it wasn't until um, kind of, you know, probably about three or four years ago, it wasn't until about three or four years ago that um, a buddy of mine I was speaking with um, at an event and I said, oh, I'm going to record this with my phone. And, uh, and he goes, oh, the acoustics in here are terrible. And I said, oh, it's fine. I've got this lapel microphone. I'm just going to set my phone up in the back. And, you know, this is a Bluetooth microphone, so it won't pick up any of that, you know, surround noise. And he was like, wait, what? Where'd you get that? Wait, how do I, I want one of those. How do I get one of those? And he was so floored by it. And um, again, he's an entrepreneur. And so, you know, we met up a week later and he was like, you've got to take this to market. Let's take it to market together. And so there you go. So we decided to take it to market together. So I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. I want to back up. I got a couple questions for you in here, Julie. One is, yeah, you said in the beginning, like if someone asked me for it three times, then I start to really think how, you know, how can I make it? How can I happen? How can this happen? We talk a little bit about why that is so important that hearing other people say it and kind of what that leads to, because I think that's the moment that we brush off. Oh, oh, absolutely. And sometimes I could actually say it's the opposite sometimes, which is where we imagine it and it never happens. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everybody wants this. What are you talking about? Everybody wants this. Um, yeah, I, you know, it was, I have to have like rules. I'm a very rule-based person. I'm a very process-oriented person. You and I have, have had lunch and we've laughed about this in the past. You know, like I love a good checklist, like a good flow chart, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this, that verge of engineer and creativity. Um, and so for me, I kind of like to have a lot of rules in my head where I go, oh, okay, that's the trigger to make something happen. That way I don't have to constantly second guess myself. And, and so when I hear people say like, oh my gosh, that's really good. Can I get that? Or how can I get that? It does a couple of things for me. One, it validates that I'm not the only one that has that problem because I can look at myself and go, I'm a quirky person. You know, I'm, and I'm, I'm a bit high maintenance and, you know, like I made a cord sock out of an old swimsuit once and you know what? I was really happy with it, but nobody was asking me for my swimsuit cord sock as it turns <laughs> out. And so consequently, like I can go like, that's just for me. Right. So that other people asking, that's kind of what, you know, that, that validates, it provides that validation and evidence. I, that is probably one of my biggest challenges is always making sure that I have evidence. And so that's my way of kind of keeping myself in check. 
but it's not my belief. It's not my hope. It's not my, you know, you know, it's not my theory. I have evidence that something I have created is worth investing and expanding and multiplying out to the masses. So here's what I really appreciate, Julie, about what you're saying. And I'm so glad you shared it and shared kind of your process for it, because I think we often think of rules and creativity or innovation as mutually exclusive. Mm. And yeah, I know it's not that way at all, but that's how we think about it. So we have to be this free for all, everything's blue skies, um, you know, wild person, right. And the aha moments are magical. And, but what I hear you saying, and I love this idea of a rule of like, Hey, if I hear it this many times, I perk up, right. I pay attention. Um, and I love the bringing of those two together. And the, and the other thing that I really appreciate about that, which I'd love for you to expand on a little bit more is without that evidence, it could just be for you. And I can't tell you the number of entrepreneurs who have reached out to me and said, I want you to check out my product. And I'm like, nobody's going to want that. And they're like, right, but it's a problem I have. I'm like, right, I get it. And good for you for creating a solution, but I'm not seeing, you know, does anybody else want this? Like, are you sure about that? So, you know, it's funny, like on one hand, to your point, we miss these great opportunities for innovation because that frustration keeps bubbling up. You know, on the other hand, sometimes we imagine this great, brilliant need out there that maybe is just something that we have. Yeah. Yeah, I you, you oh yes oh you hit the nail on the head. But you know what's interesting is I am um, even in innovation and coming up with ideas. I'm hugely process driven. So I you know like I love a good you know idea out of the blue like anybody else. But that's a really unreliable way to yeah and rare be a repeat innovator. You know and rare yeah I mean like lightning doesn't always strike. You know like even if all the clouds are rolling in, it doesn't always strike. And if you're just waiting for lightning to strike, then you're not in control of the process. You know, and if, and this is part of my business, right? This is how I make a living. Like these things are important to me. They're important to my family. I'm not going to rely on luck and hope as a strategy. And I work with a lot of businesses around the world, you know, helping them evaluate their product sets, helping them figure out how to innovate and how to take things to another level. They can't sit around and hope that somebody gets hit by lightning for all kinds of legal reasons. Um, <laughs> so, so really, like you know, I think that great creativity can be found if you start with a good process underneath of it. I 100% agree with you. In fact, I think structure is essential for innovation. And to your point, repeatable innovation is the best innovation, really, because also you don't always get it right. So you need to repeat the process so that you can find the, the, the nuggets of gold in there because sometimes you innovate and it doesn't hit the mark for whatever reason. Um, But you said something I want to ask you about. You said a repeatable innovator and you know what I'm most excited about is how people innovate and how they can repeat it for themselves, not just for their company, for but how they solve problems and how they see opportunities. If you are, and I just, I think that's really profound the way you said it. Thanks. If you were to, you're welcome. If you were to think about, I wish people, I know it's going to go on audio, but if people could see our faces sometimes, they might laugh a little bit. <laughs> It will go out on YouTube eventually, but first audio. So if you were to think about the top three things that help someone, a person be a repeatable innovator, what advice would you tell them? How would you tell them to do that? Oh yeah. I have a process for that. Of course. Um, so of course I do. I have a checklist. I have a process. Uh, so when it comes to repeat innovation, the, well, first of all, the number one, I think, right? I mean, everybody I'm sure has their own, their own thoughts and this is definitely your area of expertise as well. Um, but the number one skill that an innovator has, in my opinion, is observation. I can't, I can't fix what I don't see. 
you know, and I can't, I can't find opportunities if I don't see them. So that's the number one thing is to always be looking like I'm going to go to the grocery store after we get off this um, recording. A gold mine of innovation. I love grocery stores. Me too. (laughs) I mean, when I look at partnerships, when I'm interested in a partnership idea and I want to create, you know, create some like cool ideas around partnerships, I go to the grocery store because brand mixes are fantastic. Anyway, so I'm going to be looking. I'm always looking. Now you develop it into a habit, right? Where you're kind of always looking and, and it's not like it's conscious all the time, but you have an awareness all the time of what's happening around you. And then for me, everything gets put into two camps and I have a little notebook and I put things in my notebook and those two camps are Uggs and O's. So Uggs is everything that irritates me or that I think, gosh, that was a huge mess. Oh, that's frustrating. Like as soon as it's something makes me go, oh, ugh, bleh, you know, like that, right. Then I'm like, that's, a, you know, that's bad. And it doesn't have to be something I have to build a solution to. I, I was at a, I was at an event, um, a couple of years ago and, and I was speaking on innovation actually. And I went through the buffet line back when we had buffets, um, I went through the buffet line and all the silverware was at the beginning of the buffet, which meant that as soon as we got to the end of the buffet, if you had forgotten to get silverware, like that, you had to now like push your way through and elbow everybody out of the way. So that's an UG, right? The easy solution, put silverware on both ends. Oh my gosh, that was so easy. Then the flip side of that are the O's. And I really like the O's. The O's are harder. They're harder because we like to be frustrated, but I don't think people like to be inspired as much as they like to be frustrated. And so the O's are every time something cool happens, every time I see something or experience something and I go, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's really clever. Oh, I like that. And then I immediately start thinking, how could I apply that to my products? How could I apply that to my business? How could I apply that to my relationships? Like whatever it is, if it's cool, then I want to see how I can integrate that or improve upon it or ingest it in some way to make it part of my everyday. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, 
I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So the here's I'm just going to throw in a little science behind what you're saying. Um, and, you know, I, I can't reach it from where I am, but I have a popcorn bucket on my desk that I put every single idea on a sticky note in, every idea. And I've had things like heated yoga mats for the winter in my car to like when I'm spinning out, because in my head, a heated yoga mat would solve that problem. Don't know if it really would. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not the point. Every idea goes into the bucket. And some of them have probably been done before. Some of them haven't. Some of them are crazy and out there and have nothing to do with my business. Some of them do. But in the brain, what happens, well, the mistake that we often make is we shut down our brain and we go, I only want the innovative ideas, like the, that creativity for the things that I'm working on right now. Everything else goes away. The problem is we are basically telling our brain, don't innovate. Like, let's shut that muscle, muscle down. And when we prime it and when we're constantly looking for that stimulus and writing it down, there's a really, there's a lot of power in actually capturing it. 99% of that stuff may mean nothing, but your brain is going, oh, you know what? You want me to be like this? You want me to be a creative problem solver? Got it on it. And then when you need it, it actually happens. So to me, that what you just said is a huge part of the process. I agree completely. I, that is, you're absolutely right. And I love like, you know, if nothing else, you should write down your ideas because they're just infinitely entertaining. <laughs> well, like my heated yoga mat. Yeah, like a heated <laughs> yoga mat. I mean, I've got it, you know, my cord sock, you know, I still have the cord. I have a shoebox of bad ideas and I love my shoebox of bad ideas for all kinds of reasons. One, because, you know, the only thing worse than having a shoebox of bad ideas Regret. Box of no idea. Well, I was going to say, you know, my, I think the saddest thing I hear, and you probably hear it a lot in your field too, is um, I had an idea once. Yeah. That makes me uh, sad for people because oh, I, I, thought of that. I thought of that years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I had this idea five years ago and then somebody else did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always sad when people come up to me that I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Um, let me, let me flip it for a second. What challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? Um, well, I'll tell you the biggest challenge I faced in innovation is that I'm not, I'm not a big risk taker. Um, and so, you know, that's a huge problem. If you want to innovate, well, I should say that it's a potential problem. If you want to innovate, there are lots of ways to get past that. Like I have, um, but it's definitely the kind of thing where I think even initially, like before I started, like creating products to take to market when I would just like build stuff for fun, um, you know, I would always say like, oh, I, I could never start a business or I would never do that. Or I would never, that was just for you, you know, build products and take them to market. Yeah. It's just for me. It's just for me. And it's because I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. You know, I looked at that and thought that must be hugely risky. That must be, that's just massive risk. And I couldn't, I couldn't manage that with myself, with my family. I just, that wasn't going to work for me. And so that was like, that's the big thing I had to overcome was I had to kind of change my mindset around that. And, you know, like, again, I had to make myself a set of rules, right? I never invest more in a product than I could just afford to lose, like until I can vet it. I think this is a great conversation to have though, Julie, because we'll talk about your innovator style in a minute, but on a grander scale for a second, 
Uh, I think that we assume incorrectly that in order to be an innovator, you have to you have to love risk, be willing to throw caution to the wind, jump off the ledge with no carabiner and no you know kind of wings at your back kind of thing and. It's really a misconception. And I think it's really great for people to hear that you don't have to love risk or even want to take it to be a good innovator. And, you know, if I were to think about the theme of all the things you just said, a lot of it is mitigating risk, right? I've got a checklist. I've got a process. The money I spend is money that I'm okay losing to start at least. I'm researching it before, like I'm validating and I'm getting evidence, I think is the word you used. So I love that you said that though, because I just, I don't, I think we need to take that pressure off of us of like, we all have to be these infinite risk takers to, in the kind of true sense of risk taking to be innovators. And, and I've often found that most of us who are innovators are the opposite. We're always looking for ways to mitigate our risk. Well, it's one of the reasons why I often, I'll describe to myself to others as a micropreneur. I really like that. Yeah. Or a micro inventor. You said that in the beginning. Yeah. I just, I don't want, um, you know, I think there's a, when, when you say you're an inventor, you know, there's this assumption, right. That you're, you're creating and you're like a mad scientist. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, there's all this kind of like, you know, baggage that comes with that. Even if you say you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of baggage that comes up with that where I'm like, no, I really like making hundred dollar products. Like I would rather sell, you know, a thousand hundred dollar products. Like that's great to me. Like I'd rather have a, a, a stable full of innovations each one that is small and, and, you know, fulfills its potential than trying to save up for the one big, you know, big wonder of the world. So I just want to take a moment and repeat, Julie, or paraphrase what you just said, because I think for the audience, it's a really great lesson. I hope people really let it sink in around, you don't have to create the next iPhone or Tesla right? You can create a lot of little things that I love the way you said that, that live up to their potential and then keep going and make those things successful in the way they're supposed to be successful and not try to like put all your eggs in the basket of one business moving forward. And and I have to imagine, Julie, for someone like you, it really fulfills your spirit to just keep tinkering. Yeah. I would be, you know, I remember somebody said, well, what if, Hey Mike took off and like, you know, it became like the next iPhone. And I was like, I would sell it. Right. <laughs> I would be the first thing I would do be like, are you buying? Right. Cause I don't want that. You know? And if I, you know, if I was in my twenties, would it be a different conversation? Sure. But I'm not, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm a middle-aged woman. Like I'm looking toward retirement. I don't want to manage a whole stable full of people. <laughs> so it's about finding, it's about creating innovations that not only live up to their purpose, but also match yours and who you are as a person. You know, like I don't want to go off and try to create products that I don't want anything to do with that aren't going to suit my style, that aren't going to bring me joy and fulfill me. I might make a product like that and partner with somebody else to take it to market, which I've done, which is, you know, that's a great solution. Well, and if you know that your strength is and yours is, is coming up with ideas, solving problems, why wouldn't you put yourself in a position of doing more of that? You know, and I think oftentimes we get really excited about something and then we hold on to it too close. We're afraid to let our baby go. And then we get trapped in this cycle of, of being a part of the baby that doesn't work for us. It's a horrible analogy because people are like, Tamara, don't you have kids? Like, don't you like them as teenagers? Yeah, <laughs> I do. But you know what I mean? Most of the time. Like one of us. <laughs> most of the time. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you get trapped in a position that you didn't, you don't do well in yet the control issue gets in the way of letting it go. 
Yeah, I I have loved learning that. I am absolutely an A type personality, and you know there were there was decades in corporate where I was like climb a corporate ladder. I can do everything better than everybody else. You know, not like in a smug way, but like I'll just do it myself. Yeah, you know, like I had high standards and I knew best, and I you know, and I was super you know high performing and all of that. And now I like take it as a badge of pride when I'm like, nope, uh, you know what? You can totally own that. Yeah. Totally own that. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than when someone on my team comes to me and goes, let me take that over. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I love you. Here's your raise. I got more vacation time. <laughs> You're opening the door. You're throwing the stuff out. Like, I'll just chuck it out to you. Right? Right? I was like, oh, here it is. It's ready. Oh my gosh. Yes. Funny. I've already packed it up for you. Right. Here's my bag. <laughs> Well, you know, I laugh about the corporate thing, Julie, because I was the same way. And I, I jokingly talk about the fact that I climbed the corporate ladder to the top and then realized my ladder was on the wrong wall. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> well, that's a problem. Glad I spent all that time doing that. But back to you for a second. So I want to talk a little bit about your everyday innovator style. And then I got, of course, some more questions for you. So, yeah, you're an inquisitive imaginative. So for everybody listening, and if that's you out there, the inquisitive is all about innovations of the questions, not the answers, right? Which is so with your whole like investigate, investigate, but it's all about digging and also challenging assumptions, pulling back the layers of the onion, um, poking the bear a little bit sometimes to see how you can do it differently. But it's all about kind of that digging. And the imaginative is all about novel and new and creation. So Imaginatives tend to be really solid, like you are, at playing in the gaps. So while some of us may need a little bit more, um, a little bit more of ingredients to make that recipe happen, you're actually almost better when you have fewer ingredients and more space to play. So the combination is deep and novel innovation, and it's interesting, Julia, to hear you talk about it. And I'm curious when you think, like now that you hear that, when you think about how you innovate, like how would you describe, I guess, how you innovate? Um, well, I. I innovate first by finding the ideas, right? And those are always through observation. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head there, right? I'm always looking, I'm always watching, I'm always seeing. And then the very next thing that I'll do is I'm a I'm a builder at heart. So I, I love to make stuff, right? I grew up on a farm. So really no surprise, right? If you wanted it, you figured out a way to build it. And you used to go out to the shed and find old stuff. And you used to, you know, and there was no parental supervision, so, you know, you were out there with power tools when you were six years old, you know, like there's a whole story about me catching a wild cat using a trap I built. Anyway, point being that, you know, I, you'll, you'll find me stage two is if it's like a physical product, you'll find me literally making it on my desk. Like I'll take old business cards. I have more prototypes out of old business cards than anything else. Old business cards. And like my first Hey Mike design was in an old business card, right? Take it. I'm going to fold it up, cut it up in little pieces. I'm going to duct tape it. I'm going to see how it looks on. I'm going to put the inner workings in. I'm going to see how it sounds, all of that. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Well, I, I think too that you're naturally good at this because of your style, but I think it's important, a lesson for all of us, which is there's there's a lot of power in experimentation and bringing your ideas to life. And, and I think that whether you are building a you know new pair of eyeglasses that don't get lost in my house, or you are doing something digital, or you are figuring out a new workflow, finding a way to prototype it is essential. And I, I think it's no more than duct tape, scented markers, a, a PowerPoint, a pretend PowerPoint slide. Like I don't, I don't think it has to an be old complicated. Swimsuit. Mm-hmm. An, an old swimsuit, an old swimsuit, <laughs> like whatever it takes. So I, I will tell you on a personal note, real quick. So my 13 year old loves to tinker. There's a whole section of the garage that's just his, 
And I don't dare mess with it because I don't even know what he's doing back there. But his favorite thing to do with me on Saturday mornings is get in the car and dumpster dive in the alleyways of Denver. So if you see us going down the alley and we are pulling stuff out that nobody wanted, like old VCRs, like whatever it is, it's in my garage. If you're wondering where it went, it's in my garage. But I think there's so much power in just playing with it and seeing what's possible because that's, I think, where you figure out, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, what works, what doesn't work, what you like about it, what you don't. I think ideas that live in theory or on PowerPoint presentations, you you can't figure that stuff out. And the most innovative ideas look the craziest on paper. Do you know, I'll tell you why I think that is. Um, and, and I don't have any evidence to back this up. That's not going to stop me from sharing it. And that is um, that it requires time to physically create. Digital creation is fast. It's fast and it's, um, you know, it's a bit instant gratification. Whereas if you imagine, you know, for those of us that are old enough to go back to before we had all the digital tools at our disposal, and we used to have to build things to entertain ourselves, the, the amount of time that you have to think and, and adjust and swivel and pivot as you build, like you can immediately see like those two ends aren't going to come together. What am I going to do about that? Or I put these two pieces together, but they don't stick. How am I going to make them stick? You know, and you're asking yourself questions and you're validating because you have time. You know, it takes time to work in a process like that. Whereas with digital, you go and you get a piece of clip art or you, you know, you go to, you know, you go online, you find a picture of something and you bring it in and you go there, it's going to look like that. And it's just too quick. So I think there's a lot of value in giving yourself time, time to play and to innovate without pressure. Because if you are doing that kind of first stage innovation, like digitally, and I don't, I'm not saying it's wrong. There's a time and a place for everything. And my background is actually in software. So, you know, that was pretty hard to physically manifest. Um, But even in software, as soon as you put it on a slide, somebody thinks it's done. And the problem with that, of course, right, is now there's a pressure to deliver before you've actually created. And so that starts to change the, the speed at which you have to make things go from A to Z, you know, you needed more time between A and P. And now all of a sudden you're in like stage Z and you've got to rush the whole thing. And I think that hurts innovation and it's a very stressful place for people like me. And do you think that that jump from A to P in the beginning actually slows you down on the back end versus maybe what feels slower on the front end? Yeah, it's actually, I think it's much faster to do it that way because you're actually getting most of your iterations out of the way early on. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. That's what I was trying yeah, to say. Absolutely. Like, yes, yes, uh, yeah. you're absolutely right. I, I think if we jump to P, meaning we don't spend time to tinker in the front end, we actually take longer on the back end. I think that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, versus if yeah, I take and, more and time right, on the front, just I'm faster on the back end. But a lot more expensive, right? Because, you know, if you're not, investigating early on and designing well early on, then you're going to end up redesigning after you've already spent money, time, energy, you know, and now you're having to, as opposed to like pivoting, now you have to back up. And, and that, that is, is way expensive. more expensive. Yeah. And, and it's really demoralizing. I find that demoralizing as well. Cause I'm like somebody who wants to constantly move forward. And if, if I'm having to go backwards as opposed to pivoting, like I could swivel all the way up to a product, you know, we could slalom, <laughs> you know, all the way up to a product, 
But the alternative is, is that we just go straight down the hill and then we have to like go back up and then come back down and go back up in a straight line. That's, that's awful. No, you're right. And I think uh, backing up implies you did it wrong and versus pivoting, which implies you're innovating and moving forward. And so I think mentally that's for, if you're a leader out there too, like that's a very, and for yourself, I think that's a very different mindset to be working around. So I think you're right. I can't believe we're almost out of time. Um, I just, I, I wish I could make these interviews like three hours each. Uh, there's so much, like so much goodness in them. So two last questions for you. One is as an imaginative inquisitive, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all different types who are looking to be that repeatable innovator? Love the way you said that. Observe. I mean, honestly, that's my best advice. Just go into the world with your eyes open, see everything. First of all, it's just a great place to be. I mean, I find joy. I find the world just an incredibly interesting place. I am fascinated by almost everything I come across. There is something to learn, good or bad. There's something to learn everywhere, every single day. And if, and if you're not seeing it, you're not looking hard enough. So that's my best advice is just open your eyes and experience the world. It's, it's a great, great strategy just to be in a better place every day as well. I love that. You and I are going to, next time you're um, cross over the pond and come back over to Denver, we're going to need to go to the grocery store because I could spend <gasps> oh my hours gosh, that'd be so fun. at the grocery store. I had anybody who wanted to go to the grocery store oh my for gosh. the same reason. This is why I do delivery <laughs> because I can't afford the time right now. I don't have the time to do what I want to do at the grocery store, which is like, look at everything. So that was great advice though about observing. We, we just, we spend so much time with our heads down. We just, we forget to look up and look around us and you're right. The world is amazing. Even the grocery store is amazing if you let it. So that is great advice to end on. My last question for you is personal, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Oh, uh, that I am, uh, that I'm a dog trick trainer. Hmm. There you go. I did not know that. Like that is, but you know what, what's really interesting about training dogs is that it uses a lot of the same muscles, um, as, um, as innovating because you, you just have to constantly tweak and adjust <laughs> to get to the next stage and to get to the next output. Um, and I find it fascinating to see, you know, to see my dogs and see how they tick, but also because it just brings joy to a lot of people, you know, like watching a dog play piano is it's joyful. Uh, it's how hard is that to feel not joyful? Bad. Yeah. I know. I know, right? I mean, I don't know how dogs in general are not joyful to begin with. So frankly, but that is, that that's is what people don't know about me. Yeah, no. Julie, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this conversation and the, I think the insights around the repeatable, the process, the kind of lack of risk taking, it's not quite the right way to say it, but you know what I mean? The kind of mitigating risk. Um, and kind of dispelling that a little bit. So I appreciate that. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Always a pleasure with you. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.